All right. Hey, welcome. This is uh, the first episode of American Loser. All right. I'm your host, KP Burke. With me, as always, uh, hopefully, moving forward, is uh, my co-host, my handsome dilf of a father, Larry Burke. Say hello to everybody. Hey, what's going on? All right, cool. And in studio, we got the, our main man behind the mix boards over there. So Big Kahuna's taking care of us. We're over here at a shared universe. Pretty stoked about that great setup. Very excited about this project, man. So uh, for those of you who don't know, I am a uh, stand-up comedian for the last six years. I did a little bit of acting and shit like that and writing. But the biggest thing is uh, I've always been a huge history buff, right? And that uh, I, can, pretty, I can attest to that. Yeah. <laughs> pretty much every, every trip we ever went on as a family, it always wound up coming down to us going where? Either a fort or a battlefield someplace. It had to happen, right? <laughs> so, But we sat there. It was pretty cool. Uh, we would uh, we'd go through everything. But what I liked is uh, when you start going through stories, like America's obsessed with winning, right? That's a, if you're a winner, that's, you get the coverage. You never really hear about second place too much, right? That's kind of what we do as a society, as a culture. But there's a lot of people out there because I used to have a game I was obsessed with as a kid. Remember we used to call it the president's game right. in the car? Right. Uh, well, How many miles were logged with playing that game? Oh, uh, plenty of miles were logged <laughs> on that one. But what was weird is that uh, we never said that there's so many people in American history that we don't know shit about, right? So we would drive from northern New Jersey where you and me, you know, live. I lived in your house. Live in your house. Yeah, yeah. yeah <laughs> you were that kid down the hall, right? Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> but we'd sit there and we'd go, we would drive what, like three, four hours to get to Gettysburg? How far is that? It's about three and a half, I think. Okay, so that's a big thing, Gettysburg. But then right around the corner from us uh, over in Caldwell, New Jersey, where uh, cousin Megan used to bring me on occasion – was the birthplace of Grover Cleveland. All right. You ever been over there? Yeah, we drove past, drove past the place. Yeah, but what, we, we it's never go. One, it's got one of those placards out front. Yeah, we don't know shit about Grover Cleveland, though. That's the thing. Like, as president, he's almost forgotten all the time. All right. But So what I'm doing with this show here is uh, my goal is we're going to put the spotlight on losers. And there's a lot of crazy stuff out there. It's the people who ran for office and didn't become president, right? Now, Grover Cleveland, I want to start the show with him. Because this guy's fascinating, right? I want to do one per episode for the most part. But this guy fascinates me. Off the top of your head, Larry, you're a well-informed person, all right? <laughs> With a great mustache out there. You hear it, ladies? Yeah. Um, what do you know about Grover Cleveland? Uh, he is uh, – his house, his birthplace, I guess, is here in New Jersey, although New Jersey always tries to glom onto Woodrow Wilson because I guess – in your estimation, he was a winner, where Grover Cleveland was one of America's losers. But uh, I guess well, we'll said. We'll, we'll delve into that. But uh, um, yeah, not a whole lot. Well, you know, like trivia item wise with him. What's you, that? You know, any weird like Snapple facts about the guy? Uh, Snapple facts? Uh, not so much. I mean, I know he was one of our presidents that served, and then was out. Somebody else served, and then he came back. That's true. He is the only president to ever serve non-consecutive terms. Right. That's our boy Grover Cleveland. So, which is weird because technically he won the popular vote all three times he ran for president, right? But it just wasn't quite good enough for him. So you sit there, you got to deal with it. But what I loved is uh, he served the non-consecutive terms. So he was the 22nd and the 24th president of the United States. That's like the asterisk at the end of Eli Manning's consecutive start streak. <laughs> We're like, oh, wow, he started all these games. But uh, what happened to that one in the middle there? He's a comebacker. Yeah. And also, uh, the other one that was kind of cool about him was that, uh, first of all, the reason I consider him an American loser is he's one of the first presidents to ever lose his reelection bid, right? That was like almost unheard of. It defies the odds. When you can't, when the incumbent can't win the election, that's right. like baffling. So there's all these people out there that would, you know, run for something and never get it and then finally win. There's the, you know, as, as Chris Cover called the Susan Lucci's of presidents. <laughs> but 
this one's kind of cool here, man, because he's the only guy, one of the first guys to ever lose his own reelection bid. And he was a direct descendant of Moses Cleveland. And if anybody knows, that's the founder of Cleveland, by the way, if you don't know. Oh, okay. And, and if anybody knows anything about losing. That's where Cleveland got their name and uh, the mistake on the lake. The mistake on the lake. That's right. <laughs> Baker Mayfield, baby. What are you going to do about it? So, Real quick, so this whole episode's going to be about Grover Cleveland, a little background for me. The guy's a fascinating dude. I found out some cool shit. So, first of all, like I said, he was born in Jersey, Caldwell, New Jersey, in fact, which means I would have played him in lacrosse and wrestling, all right, <laughs> over in Wayne. He was born uh, March 18th, 1937, all right, day after St. Patrick's Day. So, you know, pretty terrible St. Patrick's Day. Wait, you Day. said 1937? 1937, yeah. Oh, remember, no, I fucked that one up. That's 1837. Yeah, thank See, you. See, this is why you're here, Dad. <laughs> <laughs> so... He, uh, his father was a Presbyterian minister, right? He moved the family to upstate New York, all right, which is kind of a weird thing. Stephen Grover Cleveland, that's the weird thing too, where like people would go by their middle name, you know? It's kind of like how I go by KP because there's already a Kevin Burke that does stand up out there. Isn't the house that he was born in, isn't that next door to the, the church that his father was minister in or something? It, w- it would not surprise me. Yeah, I think yeah. so. But that's, a, that's a Coldwell uh, trivia fact. Well, the weird thing too, he was the fifth of nine children. All right. You're a little bit of a head case and you grew up with two older brothers, right? <laughs> yeah. So imagine, I, I do think if you're the fifth of nine children, I do think that when he was in the White House might have been the first time he was ever able to shit with the door open. <laughs> you know? Get his own bedroom anyhow. Oh, yeah. That's terrifying. Like, oh, finally. <laughs> I ran. I ran for president just so I could, you know, a little bit more hot water. Right. It's still government <laughs> housing, but I get my own room. <laughs> uh, that part's beautiful. But uh, this is, so when he was a kid, he wasn't in Jersey too long. We claim him as a Jersey guy. He's actually, uh, Grover Cleveland is inducted into the New Jersey Hall of Fame, which if you know anything about that, it's uh, Whitney Houston, Bruce Springsteen, and the entire cast of Sopranos. That's it. That's all we have to offer. <laughs> Got a glum on somebody. Yeah, it's a, it's a weird thing. I think Bon Jovi turned it down. It's a, um, but yeah, so uh, they go ahead and they move, right? So they move from Jersey up to Buffalo when he was a boy, which has got to be tough. I mean, you're coming from Jets country and you move up to Bill's country. I mean, you're staying in the division, you know. Yeah, we had a, a couple of coaches that tried to do that too, but Oof, brutal. But uh, so that's what happens. He goes up there, and I mean, that's got to be a tough time because you think about it. You're in like a pre-Civil War era, and you're growing up in Buffalo. Buffalo's tough now. <laughs> Can you imagine that before? Like you know, you just shut down for the winter. I don't know what the hell you do though. I mean, that's why they're they're booze bags of epic proportions. <laughs> but you ever been up there? I guess uh, buffalo wings were invented up there just to try to warm up. <laughs> they make were invented them, up make there. Make them hotter, make them hotter. Uh, I had the, uh, the original buffalo sauce one time. One of uh, my, my ex-fiance's mother's boyfriends brought it because he was from Buffalo. And it was, there was a lot of guys that came in and out of her mother's life, right? So it's, it is what it is. I'm not being disparaging here. But that guy I liked because he brought me the buffalo sauce. from. The, I mean, I used to put it on pizza, everything. That sauce fixes everything, just happens to be best on chicken. You won't even have it, right? No. Can't do the spicy. No. For those who don't know, my father's a total badass, but a giant pussy when it comes to spicy food. <laughs> it's embarrassing. Well, just because we're topping out a ketchup, that doesn't uh, really have a reflection, does it? That's what, <laughs> it's a, like some people break up a bar fight by getting pepper sprayed. You just have to eat pepper. <laughs> a, like, Larry, if you don't stop, we're going to make you eat a poblano. Well, just Fuck bring, your whole day up. <laughs> just bring it out with the salt sugar. Exactly. <laughs> So, uh, so he moves up there. Funny thing about Grover, Stephen Grover, as we call him. You think they got the voice for uh, Grover from Sesame Street from him? <laughs> I thought, Bert, I want to tell you of something. <laughs> I'm going to pass the Interstate Commerce Act of 1887. 
But so he moved him up there, man. Pretty good stuff. Uh, now, Stephen Grover, well, uh, you know, soon to be president uh, somewhere down the road here. He's of uh, Anglo-Irish and Germanic descent on his mother's side, right? And English on his father's side, which is weird because people screw this up all the time. Who's the first Irish Catholic president? Irish Catholic president? Yeah. JFK. Right. So people always mistake him. They say he's the first Irish president. Almost all the presidents had a little bit of Irish in it, but they didn't worship that wizard in the pointy hat over in the Vatican. So that's why I, like, I'm not, I'm not making exceptions for it, but I understand why that people were scared of Catholics back then because the Catholics had another king, you know? You're like, oh, we just defeated the monarchy and now all these people are coming over here saying that their king is, you know, the old guy in Rome. I don't know, Kevin. You're sounding like pretty, uh, pretty papist there with the. It, 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 this was like the big topic of the day too, because the major uh, voting blocks, immigration-wise, in the country around this time, you had a ton of German voters, right, right. and you had a ton of Irish voters. The right. Irish were coming over in, in waves at right. this point. So, but well, at that point too, that they've already established themselves from the here in in this by by eighteen. What's Grover Cleveland? Eighteen eighty something or other. Uh, yeah, because he comes in at the uh, – he would uh, – I'll get into this later. He actually was uh, of age to have fought in the Civil War. So this is the time frame when the Paddies were coming over on the boat. Right. What did you say? Signing up for – you sign up for the Union Army and you get uh, more than a year's worth of you know, wages. Uh, you had a $300 uh, signing bonus and that was probably five years' wages back home in the, in the old sod. Jesus. The crazy thing too is then you had the and Irish – give you they give you a uniform. They promise you to feed you and they – Give you a nice gun. I mean, it's, uh, and that's, your wife can't come. <laughs> <laughs> and you leave the kids behind. Oh, I'm going to have to leave her back at the house. It's terrifying. Who's she going to pester the shit out of? Ugh. But he goes ahead. Um, this is the crazy part. This is what I. This is like when you realize how different the world is back then. So his father passes away. Right. Cleveland went to work. Remember, fifth, uh, he's the fifth of nine kids. All right. Cleveland went to work to support his family at age 16. You've been my dad. My whole life. What was I doing at age 16? Uh, probably sleeping. Sleeping? It's up there because I would have been a sophomore in high school. Right. I can tell you what girl I was in love with still. She's married with kids now. That's how my life's going. But, uh, you know. Well, you missed your opportunity. No. See, here's Maybe my, you should have got up in the morning and did something about it. Well, here's my theory is that I, I can't get – I can never get the girl on the first go around, but I can catch her as she's falling. Under rebound? You know oh, I mean? I'm, okay. Oh, yeah. Like a descending eight. That's my <laughs> – you know what I mean? I hop in there. But on a slippery slope. Exactly. Like uh, once once they – like first of all, I'm good with kids. All right? So You're when the they landing bring, net. Yeah, they bring the other guy's kids over. I make the kids laugh a little bit and all of a sudden it's like, oh, you know, where were you in high school? It's like oh. yeah, exactly where you thought I was. Yeah. I was watching pro wrestling. <laughs> the thing I was not doing was taking care of our family though, dude. Can you imagine that? At 16, you're now in charge. You're the man yeah. of the house. That's uh, that's a tough row. That's a tough row. How old were you when you got your first job? Uh, first job, probably sixteen, maybe seventeen. Sixteen, seventeen. Geez, all right. But so. that was not to support the family. That was to try to put some coin in the bank for uh, possibly college. How many Christmas trees do I have to sell to support <laughs> our family this year? There you go. Uh, but there you go. D'Angelo Farms. Largest grower of annuals and perennials and ground covers in the North Jersey area. <laughs> How may I help you? This is a Jersey in, Jersey out kind of <laughs> podcast, baby. So now, uh, supposedly, I can't, I couldn't uh, validate this, but uh, the one of the sources I got was that supposedly the rumor was that Grover Cleveland found he found out about his father's death 
from the local boy handing out newspapers. That's how he found it out. Ouch. He was out working and to find out that his Yeah, and you have, you have to hear it from the- His like, just yeah, died. Extra, extra, read all about it. Your dad's dead. <laughs> Not how I want to find out about it, you know what I mean? Also, I'm pretty sure you're going to outlive me. I'm 90% sure of that at this point. I think you're made of arsenic, sir. Arsenic. That's right. In old days. Unkillable. Um, but this is the crazy part. He was unable to afford a college education, so he worked as a teacher- Ouch. You can't afford- He really was desperate. Now, here's the best part. He worked as a teacher for the blind. <laughs> but at, if you can't afford to go to college, then how are you going to teach the blind? Like, how are you qualified to be a, a teacher for the blind? And then I realized this is, you know, this is the 1800s. They probably weren't checking up on the literacy of the blind yeah, at this point. Nobody's correcting his spelling mistakes, right? Yeah, that's right. Had <laughs> <laughs> a blind. Have fun, man. Having fun, right? Go sit in the corner over there. <laughs> Where's the corner? <laughs> exactly. It's, oh, he's feeling stuff out. It's good. Um, but so, yeah, he's sitting there. All of a sudden, then he decides he's going to make his move into uh, politics. Now, what's interesting about the guy, there was a quote I read about him. And uh, it kind of goes throughout his life, right? But you sit there and you read it. This was a quote by his own biographer. Grover Cleveland, the greatness lies in typical rather than unusual qualities. He had no endowments that thousands of men do not have. He possessed honesty, courage, firmness, independence, and common sense. But he possessed them to a degree other men do not. So it was almost like he was just a well-rounded, good dude, right? right? He wasn't anything special. He really actually is ranked uh, in memory as one of the better presidents, but not on the first tier of presidents, right? He's like a second tier kind of a guy. But He's the B-lister. Yeah, which is crazy too because by the time the end of his political career, he was a hated man, you know? So always, you never know what the, the headlines tomorrow are going to turn into. Right. Right? Like right now, everyone considers me a failure, right? But in a couple of years, <laughs> we'll know I was a failure. <laughs> so, but uh, first Re- political, what's that? Revisionist history. Exactly. <laughs> uh, yeah, sitting there. It's, uh, I'll tell you what, though, man. Uh, Come to think of it, you know, Grover, he didn't really screw us up that bad, but I guess he was pretty good, dude, after all. It's the devil you know, right? right. That's what they always tell you. I mean, but history is going to be weird in a lot of ways, too. Uh, at some point, we're going to have to explain. That uh, the the men's you know uh, sprinting gold medal in the seventies was won by a lady, you know. <laughs> yeah. That detail for the the Caitlyn Jenner Bruce Jenner thing that's going to be fascinating to deal with because like it, there's all this stuff. Oh, and the the ESPN Hero Award and uh, you know a TV show and married a high profile to Chris Jenner and you know was on this uh, the Kardashian show. Oh, also he she won the the men's gold. Whenever the we were the Olympics was that? Do you remember? No, but the eBay value of that Wheaties box is probably taking a downslide. I would think. I don't oh, know, or maybe up. I don't know. Depends. I hear there's a market for everything. Yeah, That's what we keep finding out. But uh, so old Grover decides he's going to go into public office. Right, first public office he held. If you wanted to get into politics right now, how would you do it? You'd start like town council shit or something? Yeah, that's what most people do locally. Well, then, he went he went big time or what? He became the sheriff of Erie County, all right? Oh, in upstate New York. Yeah, so he was the sheriff of Erie County up there. He was, it was the first political office that he held. And uh, in proof of his fiscal conservatism that would become the hallmark of his career, he found it uh, to be cheaper, more fiscally sensible, to hang two men himself rather than pay the $10 fee for a deputy to do it. (laughs) 
Well, if it's a shitty job, I mean, why not? You know, don't, don't ask anybody else to do something that you wouldn't do yourself. So. Exactly. So he said, I, I'm going to hang these two murderers. They were both co- um, convicted did murderers. He use, did he use the same rope to uh, try to save some money on that? Or Apparently he was so tight-walled he might have not even used rope at all. It might have been a bare hander. Like, hey, just, <laughs> just, all right, hold your breath. Just choke the guy. <laughs> uh, but, uh, yeah, so they go ahead and uh, he, he hung the guy. That was the only real thing that happened to him when he was the sheriff of Erie County. So he had the two minutes over there, uh, the two guys that he hung around him, which is cool. And he moves right on up, decides he's going to be the mayor of Buffalo. Well, so he starts with uh, political science, I mean, with a uh, police science career with uh, being sheriff. Um, his, which was it the total sum of his uh, hangings were two, or is that just the more memorable ones? I think that's probably the memorable, well, the ones he carried out himself. Oh, okay. All so, right. I mean, I don't know how common hangings were up in uh, Buffalo, you know what I mean? They're so depressed, they usually do it themselves up there, you know? Arrested, tried, and, and convicted, and uh, sentenced, carried out by the one and the same. Yeah, which is a little Ned Stark action there for you, huh? <laughs> there you go. Yeah. Cut his head off. But uh, he goes out, he runs for the mayor of Buffalo, okay? And uh, he was fighting corruption, built his good reputation like we talked about earlier. He wasn't anything special, but he just was a guy that had integrity. And you can do a lot with a, a guy that has some integrity. Yeah, but he'll never make it in politics if you've got any kind of integrity. Oh, that's a weird thing. They, they dig around a little bit. They look for some stuff. And now the thing that I found in researching for this show, too, is that uh, politics, especially in America, is cyclical. You know? Like, we sit there and we'll talk about something that's happening on the news right now. And you're like, oh, my God, I can't believe it's gotten late. It never used to be this way. And then you look back and you're like, it always used to right. be this way. It repeats itself, no doubt. There was always some – it's always the same things too. It's that uh, you know the, the downfalls of man. It's any vice we have we use against people because, I don't know, we all have the same human nature, I guess, at the end of the day. But – so this guy had a great reputation though. And when he was uh, the mayor, he broke up uh, a lot of you know kind of – I guess uh, – luxuries, if you will, like a lot of the no-show Sopranos construction site jobs. A lot of those started to go away while he was mayor of Buffalo. And it took notice, right? Because the next job that the guy got was governor of New York. Okay. All right. So old Grover's moving his way on up. He, uh, you know, he actually, he had a little law practice for a while. He never made a whole lot of money. From sheriff to mayor to governor. Yeah. Sheriff to mayor to governor. That's a a rocket rise. It is uh, is lightning fast too. You know, I don't don't know when you really see that because, uh, like our most recent governor here in New Jersey, he was a federal prosecutor for a while, right? That was his gig. So it was um, – Our former governor. Yeah, Chris Christie I'm talking yeah, about yeah, here. Yeah, so, yeah. But uh, yeah, it's uh, – this guy's point is Grover Cleveland's lightning fast right now. He's moving on up there. And when he's the governor of New York, he stood up to the political bosses, right? He ran on a platform of staunch anti-bossism, which means he hated Springsteen. And they sat there. They Even t- with his Jersey roots? That's exactly. That's why I tell you know he was really a New Yorker. When he's like, oh, I don't get it. Show me Billy Joel. Then I'll give a shit. But New York state of mind. Yeah. Now, here's where his politics started to come into play. And this is interesting for the time, right? He was a fiscal conservative, right? Uh, like we talked about, he'd you know, rather save some money by swinging somebody himself. But uh, he goes ahead. They were known as the Bourbon Democrats, though. That was what because technically he's a Democratic president. When you look at him. Is he trying to pull in the Kentucky vote or what? The, the bourbon Kentucky? Not bad. <laughs> well, then you're going to split the Jim Beam, Jack Daniels vote right down the middle. You know? And then you got your weird red stag third party bastards. It's a great debate. <laughs> but uh, yeah, they were known as the bourbon Democrats. And they were interesting because they were fiscally conservative, kind of classical liberal people. Because that's what – that's like a modern it, – it's very weird when the, the parties kind of realign every now and then. Because it doesn't happen overnight. It happens over a you know, course of time. So – 
they're sitting there and it's uh, the Bourbon Democrats. They were never called that, by the way. They got called that sarcastically because they were old-fashioned, right? But they were fiscal conservatives who believed in like a laissez-faire attitude on the economy, which uh, roughly means hands off, let right. the shit figure it out. Right. Which sometimes it works and sometimes it fucks up bad. Right. So pretty interesting guy. Uh, during the time as governor, he became a friend of Teddy Roosevelt, who would uh, later go on to be president. Who was right. also a New York politician. New York politician, yeah, who yeah. also wound up being the New York governor after him. So, uh, Oh, all right. So, Yeah. Uh, but he was the— uh, Teddy Rough Rider Roosevelt was uh, after him. Yeah. Now, here's the crazy part is that—I uh, don't know if he was right after him or not. I should look that up. But uh, the thing I would say is that uh, I thought it was interesting that he became a friend of Teddy Roosevelt's, right, who was a Republican, like the Republicans' Republican, right, back then, and the Bourbon Democrats that he was— they kind of were like-minded to that. So what was cool is that uh, he actually – his mortal enemy when he was the governor of New York was the infamous Tammany Hall down in uh, New York City. Uh, now, Tammany Hall was a democratic organization. Well, you talk about breaking up bosses. I mean that's like the boss of bosses. Exactly. Was a Coppa de Coupa, Coppa, whatever the, the Italians tell you. Yeah. It's, uh, well, it, the way it was, I try to picture like if it was a video game and at the, the last level of a video game, you have to fight every boss from every level previous of the video game. That's what Tammany Hall was. They were fucking wild. Absolutely. So they sit there and uh, – but Tammany Hall is a democratic organization. So you'd think that they'd be – they'd tow the party line and get along with Cleveland because you, know, you got a governor that's a Democrat, but they hated each other. I mean there was a lot of party infighting then and they – kind of felt like he was a little bit of a scab or whatever so he was extremely popular as governor though tammany couldn't do shit to him right and he broke up a lot of that stuff made a lot of enemies but his reputation as a guy that couldn't be corrupted was pretty good right so hence why he became the nominee for the democratic party when they ran for uh, election for presidency right so his first time and it was an interesting one too because he was uh, i'm trying to look at my dates here so it would have been uh, he was the with the running for the 22nd president of the United States. So it was the Democrat, our boy, Stephen Grover Cleveland, versus the former Speaker of the House. He was the current Speaker of the House when he was running, I believe, uh, from Maine. His name was James G. Blaine. You ever know anything about him? Nope. Guy almost ran our country. <laughs> almost. But, yeah, he was, uh, he was about as dirty as they get. Maybe that's a future episode, another loser you never heard of. That, that's where I want to go with or this. remember. Yeah. It's, uh, now, James G. Blaine was interesting because – uh, the political cartoons back then would uh, have him naked standing on like a, uh, a pedestal, if you will, and then they would tattoo on him all the scandals that plagued him. So they portrayed him as the tattooed right. man. So okay. he had a lot of shit. Now, tell me when I just said cyclical, tell me this doesn't sound similar. While he was running, there was always these arguments that Blaine had uh, you know, favoritism and he, he you know, took bribes and stuff from the railroad tycoons. Right? He was always saying that they you know, paid a play with him. So... That was always a rumor, and then finally somebody got a piece of his correspondence that was in, from him that they turned over to the press to, burn, to destroy the guy. And literally on the note, signed James G. Blaine, burn this letter. Wow. And that was in the paper. That is the Hillary Clinton emails of its time. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's the butter emails. So sitting there. So clearly James G. Blaine is just a dirty guy. His own party doesn't even like him. They think he's too ambitious. They don't want him around. And Cleveland is a Democrat that Republicans liked. Now, they had a specific title. You remember what I'm talking about? Uh, the block of... No, the Mugwumps. Oh, okay. All right. The now, Mugwumps. what do you know about the Mugwumps, Larry? The Mugwumps were, uh, if I remember right, um, they were a bunch of Republicans that really were not happy with their own 
candidate because he was so corrupt that they didn't feel that he was the best guy for the job because of his past practice and, and corruption. And they kind of broke from the party lines to support um, the Democrat, which was our own Grover Cleveland. Our boy Grove. Yeah. And Mugwumps, uh, I think that goes back to um, early like colonial days that it was a name from a translation from the Massachusetts Indians or something that it was like a farcical or a satirical uh, name given to like a chief, but it's like uh, yeah, Mugwump. Mugwump. <laughs> Mugwump. Yeah, and I think, I don't know, I, I remember hearing something that, uh, what's her name, the uh, the author of the Harry Potter uh, books, uh, uh, J.K. Rowling. Oh, I'm just finding out that's a chick. All right, yeah. that's cool. Yeah. Fucking initials, right? I see every time. Um, that she kind of made a little play on words with uh, some of the characters within uh, the Harry Potter uh, scheme with uh, the mugwumps. Uh, but anyhow, um, it, mugwump was like a leader, but it was like uh, uh, a stupid leader kind of a thing. Uh, so it was an insult. Yeah, it's an insult. They're making fun of them by... Uh, by calling him a mugwump. But. You know, it was a famous mugwump? Because I didn't know anything about the group too much. I, I, like you said, I know that they were Republicans that kind of liked some of the Democratic candidates and policies and stuff. But uh, one of the famous mugwumps was Mark Twain. Really? Yeah. So if you want to you know, court a political, you know, if you want to score a celebrity endorsement back right, then, I don't right. think it gets better than Twain, yeah, right? Yeah. Samuel Clemens, right? Well, who was bigger than him really in terms of like celebrity was kind of new. He was big time then. He was big time. He was a rock star of the... Of the era. Well, half the actors that I know, I think Houdini would have been a cool get if you could yeah. have gotten him. But he yeah. was a little bit later on, I know that. But uh, half the actors back then were still like in acting troops and stuff. The most famous actor back then is John Wilkes Booth, right? That's, <laughs> yeah. you really think about it. But so. Uh, yeah, but you don't want to bring in Hollywood with the whole of their political agenda. Yeah, that's right. It's like, could you imagine if Katy Perry shot Trump? <laughs> <laughs> could you imagine that? If like that's that's really what we're dealing with right now. They're like, oh, Katy Perry just went off during a performance. She went up behind the president. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's, she's a hot mess, man. But uh, yeah. anyway, what are you going to do? It's uh, so that's what I'm trying to figure out. Uh, so you, other than that, Mrs. Lincoln, how'd you like the show? <laughs> Oh man, it's uh, the point is, is that uh, this Blaine dude that they ran, the Republicans, right? Hot dog shit, right? Right, everything's sticking to him. Nobody likes him. It's Hillary Clinton kind of a right. thing, right? So they go ahead and they decide to run. Uh, like almost majority of the Republicans shifted and went ahead and just supported Grover Cleveland. They right. liked him. He was he, a good his dude. own party doesn't doesn't back him. He was a man of rectitude. All right. Excuse me. He was a man of exactly a man of rectitude. Do you feel like you're doing a commercial right now for WFAM? <laughs> yeah. Is your husband suffering from rectitude? <laughs> Is there an ointment for that or something? <laughs> Blue Chew. I want them as a sponsor. Uh, but they said that uh, not since George Washington had there been a man of such high moral character as Grover Cleveland. Wow. Right? So then they find the dirt on him. All right? Uh-uh. You're, you're an upstanding citizen, Larry Burke. There, there's a skeleton in the closet yeah. here somewhere. The dirt they're going to find... If they went into your closet right now, what's something you're afraid of them finding? Uh, sorry, I'm not. Uh, I'm pleading the fifth on that. I hear you. It's a. It's. A, I'm just so glad you didn't say my shithead son. That's so great. That's really awesome of you. Well, 
that, 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 that train already left the station. That, uh, that's common knowledge. I know, but you would need point. me. If you were running for public, you would need me because I would have to do spell check for you on everything. <laughs> so I want to make sure I'm using the right form of there on this uh, twit. Well, is what it is, though. Uh, here's the dirt they dug up on old Grover. Right, the Republicans found some shit. They got two scandals on him. This guy's supposed to be two? like, yeah, this guy's supposed to be squeaky clean, and he, for the most part, he was. But uh, he legally paid a replacement, and it was legal at the time to do this. He paid a replacement to fight in his stead for the Civil War. All right. So uh, back then, when you got uh, that was the, very common, and that was why it was called the, uh, the conscription the, act. Right? Yeah, the rich man's war. That for three hundred bucks, you could hire somebody else to. Go hire some patty coming off the boat to go uh, go fight for Mr. Lincoln. Well, I'll tell you what here. This is where it got uh, a little bit wacky on that because back then it was common, like you were saying, right? You could pay – if you had the money to pay, some, you, your son didn't have to go, right? But uh, in order to avoid it because Grover was – you know, uh, he had a, a law practice at the time, I believe. And uh, he was a pretty well-thought-of guy and he didn't want to abandon his law practice, whatever. Didn't want to fight. I, you know, bone spurs, whatever, right? You know, figure it out. But – he goes ahead and he pays. Uh, you said three hundred. Well, here's a deal. Uh, One hundred and fifty dollars was paid to George Beninsky, a Polish immigrant who was thirty-two, to fight in the American Civil War for the Union uh, instead of Grover Cleveland. Now, should we make some disparaging remarks about the Polak working for half pay? Or it uh, it is interesting. <laughs> uh, I want to tell you though, first of all, so George Beninsky, uh, like I said, Polish immigrant. If you adjusted the hundred fifty dollars that he was paid. Uh, if you adjusted that for inflation today, that is $4,225.60. What a deal. Kahuna, would you do that, man? If they let you pay, they sat there, if they paid you $4,000 to go fight some, fight in the war for somebody else, would you take it? Like if it was the equivalent of today money, like it was just four grand or was oh, yeah, or, yeah. or back then? No, four grand today. No. No? None, because I would make more just being in the army now. You know That's what I mean? That's a good point. Like Here's I would a- just go. How much studio time could we get for $150 back then, you think? Oh, <laughs> you'd rent this place for like a hotel. You got like two weeks. I was going to say, <laughs> Ming, Ming Zapsik, you hear that? I'm moving in. <laughs> so that's like two hours of studio time or something. Man, That's beautiful. But uh, So they go ahead and they pay the guy. Now, George Beninsky, I did find out, nobody really knows the fate of Beninsky, right? Um, but he did not die in the war. They know that much. Now, I did hear something a little bit wacky that he had some sort of uh, incident with his uh, – he was shot. And uh, I guess he survived to the end of the war. He did not see combat. Uh, he did go on to have a you know life full of changing light bulbs since he was Polish. <laughs> Just what I can what imagine, a man. Long way around for that one. Yeah, it is. I got to sneak it in there. But uh, no, nah, I'm not happy with that one either. But that's not the fascinating scandal. The fascinating one is that there was this uh, this hot little uh, number named Maria Halpin. All right, you ever hear of her? Uh, Maria Croft yeah. Halpin, I believe her name was. Uh, I believe she got remarried later on in life, but uh, she alleged to have had Grover Cleveland's love child. Uh-uh. So these squeaky clean, you know, guys. Now he's uh, he's avoiding the war by paying somebody else, which probably alienates him from some of the working class people, you know, because they don't understand that luxury. But now Maria Halpin is coming over there and saying that uh, you know, this is your kid, right? You had a kid with me. Now this is where it got even wackier, though, is that uh, she was almost the Stormy Daniels of her day. All right. It was kind of fascinating because she would say Grover was a bachelor at the time. Well, she okay. was an entertainer or it's just, just a little something that he had on the side? Well, this is the weird thing because Grover was a bachelor. A lot of the other guys in his law firm were not. Okay, This is like high society Buffalo kind of people, I think. And uh, 
So when this girl comes around, who I guess was, uh, they, they all accused of being real uh, morally uh, laissez-faire, should we say? <laughs> no, that, that means hands off or hands, it's more hands on, wouldn't it? <laughs> uh, it's a well, well said. What's the opposite of laissez-faire? I don't know. This chick was easy, right? <laughs> that's what we're trying to say. So that's what they're alleging. Is that the chick was, Yeah. That she was a, uh, a, a woman of loose moral character. And uh, she was hanging around with all, and since Grover was uh, the only bachelor of the Extremely time. Extremely popular with the entire football team. That's a <laughs> so they go ahead and uh, uh, Grover almost, I, the way that you kind of read into it, they kind of imply that maybe Grover was doing it as a favor to some of the other guys because he was sitting there saying like, oh, well, you know, uh, I, don't, um, I don't have a kid of my own so I can say that this was, you know, my kid so that I'm not ruining so-and-so's marriage and I can get political favor from right. him later. So, but... Old, uh, old Maria got institutionalized, right? And the child was placed in a good home. And he paid child support to her, and he had notice of the child support that was paid, right? So I guess back then you're sort of doing the right thing if you got a, a mother uh, with you know, kind of loose morals and not really sure what she's doing. Pretty much if you're a chick who's hanging out with all Wall Street guys, right, and you get pregnant, uh, the nicest thing they can do for you is try to set you up with a benefits package. It's really <laughs> terrible, but that's what's going on at the time, right? So uh, – this was where it got – like the, the moral character of Grover Cleveland got challenged a little bit, right? So he's got these two terrible things coming up here. They're throwing all the dirt on him. And uh, he told his campaign when they said, what are we going to do about this? He goes, above all, tell the truth. And it was insane because the Republicans thought this was his death nail. We're like, oh, we got him. They literally were chanting, ma, ma, where's my pa? That was what the Republican – that, that was their uh, That was the lock it up, yeah, okay. lock her up of the day, okay. you know? So, ma, ma, where's my pa? They think they got him dead to rights. He just admits to everything, shows that he had an affair with her back then and that he paid child support and everything. Uh, people tried to track the kid down. He kept changing his name a lot and stuff like that. Um, there, there's a couple or one of them was that he became a gynecologist, which, uh, you know, I don't know, whatever you want to do with that. But uh, kind of interesting because that Niles chance of ma, ma, where's my pa? Well, Cleveland won the presidency. So, the Democrat chance turned into gone to the White House, ha, ha, ha. It's a true story. It's a tricky. Yeah, so instead of deny, 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 it was like the truth will prevail. So good for Grover. Yeah, so the way that he fa- – when you face – I think history shows that when you face something head on, you can get a lot of shit done. You know right. what I mean? Nothing's going to stick to you. It's when you lie about it and then right. they catch you in the second lie. Right. That's when it's really bad. Well, look at Bill Clinton. <laughs> if Clinton had just said like, oh, yeah, I did that. But he's like, he's like no, I didn't and I didn't. And then they caught him on everything. Right. Had, like who really cares? I mean, it would, it would, did that did the Lewinsky scandal rock you, Dad? I was a young kid when it was going on. No. I just knew that I loved Norm MacDonald, and he was having a field day with it. But Lots of material. Oh, yeah. So as a kid, that we thought it was hilarious as kids. You know what I mean? It's like a, in the back of your head, because I was in what? What year was the Monica Lewinsky thing? Whatever, I want to say it was in elementary school or something like that, but it was hilarious, the spoofs they were making, and it was the slick willy stuff. And right. I mean, I was that's almost right. a funny scandal right. nowadays, right? But back then, morally horrified for a lot of people. They get them out of there. Monica but, was just that human uh, human door. Yeah. Monica, can you imagine what Trump would call her now? She's probably a four. <laughs> but go ahead. Uh, so now you got President Grover Cleveland, all right? The 22nd president of the United States is in office, all right? And he comes into office as a bachelor, which is interesting because he is uh, – not only is he the only president to ever serve non-consecutive terms, right? He comes into, uh, op- comes into office as a bachelor, right? And I think uh, – uh, who was it? Buchanan was before uh, Lincoln, 
yeah, or I Pierce. I can't so. remember. Yeah, whoever it was. That, Cannon, I think there was a loose allegation that he might have been a gay guy, mm-hmm. and that's why he never got married. So he was a bachelor the whole time in there. But first year or two of his presidency, old uh, Grover decides it's time to get married. All right, he marries Frances Folsom Cleveland. All right, pretty interesting character. Folsom as in Folsom Prison. It makes you wonder, right? Uh, now, what was weird is that it was his daughter's. Uh, I'm sorry, his best friend's daughter was who he went on to marry. So uh, she was 21, which made him 27 years her senior. Nice job, Grover. So, yeah, that's oh, good for him, right? Nice, I, nice work if you can get it. I think that's what happens, though, when your Tinder profile says the leader of the free world, you know? You're, imagine that, dude, if you're sitting there and you're the president, right? You're the president and you're just trying to be like, oh, yeah, I mean, uh, let me see. Maybe, maybe you think this girl wants to talk to me? Do you think she wants to talk? <laughs> Match.com or what? Yeah, his, uh, everything on his, uh, his, his you know, Tinder profile is just him, like, hanging out in, like, the West Wing or something like that. Uh, he's got his feet up on the desk in the Oval Office. That was Taft. We all know Taft was the guy who made the Oval Office. I'm sorry. It's a historically inaccurate joke. But it's not what we do here, man. What I loved, though, is that uh, he did marry uh, Frances Folsom, who was a pretty fascinating person. She was a college-educated uh, woman, which was kind of rare back then. Yeah, absolutely. But uh, she was also – Why super- waste all that money to send a, a female to college, right? Could you imagine, though, right, if that happened like nowadays – you know, it was a 21-year-old girl just marries the president she's, right away. She's just out of college. Hey, Lisa, I remember you told me I was in for a rude awakening after graduation. Well, I just married the fucking president. <laughs> no, you can't come. Bye, bitch. Bye. It was beautiful, man. Find out what sorority you're in. Oh, we got Kahuna on that one. I'm happy. That was, but I couldn't handle. Like I can't talk to twenty-one-year-old girls now. And then this one back then becomes the first lady. Before that, he had his sister being the first lady too. That was a kind of a weird thing where it's like you know the his form. sister was taking care of uh, the social obligations of first lady. Yeah, which is what like you know you got to have a cause and you know you got to decorate for Christmas. Right. You know, stuff like, I don't know what the roles were back then, but just say no. Yeah, she had. <laughs> <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, so what you got? Coming? Can you imagine if like? A president or anyone pulled that today was like they were in the office, got married to like a twenty-three-year-old or whatever. Would have been beautiful. <laughs> That's what oh we're saying. Could you, uh, like the the Bumble matches, like you're walking up sixteen hundred Pennsylvania Avenue and your Bumble matches. Is that, that guy looks familiar? Is he? <laughs> oh my god! Is it who I think it is? You should turn that into a movie. Like, write that as a script. Like, I feel like that could actually – like, in the in the age of films that we have now, especially with a movie called The Happy Time Murders coming out this week, I feel like a movie about a woman who matches with the president on Bumble would be hilarious. <laughs> like, I will help you write it. Just, just make it happen. <laughs> her views leaned left, but her swipes went right. <laughs> oh, that's oh beautiful. Oh, my God. Who would direct it? I wonder, man. It's a it, – because – Cleveland's got a bunch of shit that's interesting about it. He probably could have a movie made about him. I think you're onto something with that. No, nah, it's wild because like I'm a huge history nut, and I it's crazy. I'd never heard of this guy, <laughs> even as a president. I'm like, who? I want yeah. you as the sound engineer on all episodes. Then please, this is important to me. <laughs> I got you. I'm here. Big you- Kahuna. Well, here's the the craziest part, and this is where uh, like cause, okay, so he marries Francis Folsom. Now he was also the executor to her estate when her father passed away or something like that. So, like, technically, he was, like, he'd known her for years. Like, I don't know. I, when you're that, when the age difference is that much, I don't know. Because you and mom are, what, two days apart? Two days. Yeah, two days apart. That's, like, the appropriate marriage on that one, too. Sometimes you, you see, like, a couple and you're just like, I don't understand this one, you know? 
<laughs> but, yeah, so he not only got her dowry, he also got everything else. Oh, well, I didn't even think of that. So, yeah, oh, he could probably give the mother a bunch of shit. It was like, oh, that, that's all you're going to put in the envelope? <laughs> you know, I know you're worth more than that, right? Kind of handled it. But now here's what uh, one of the things that makes uh, old Grover stand out, too, is that uh, his biggest thing in his first act, because, you know, when he, he had the break in terms, right? Right. So he was real popular in the 1880s and then had a couple of years off where he wasn't really doing much. Then comes back in the 1890s. And that's, you know, when he got real popular again. Uh, so it's kind of like the Metallica of his day. You know what I mean? <laughs> you come out there, you know, post-black album. No one's really sure. Right. To, you know, Goes they, on tour again. Exactly. You're not sure what they're made of. And then they come out and they just give you fuel. And you're like, all right, these guys still got it. That's good. But uh, a little Enter Sandman action for you. But it was beautiful is that uh, his marquee thing in his first term was the Interstate Commerce Act in 1887, which was important because it completely modernized the infrastructure of uh, pretty much the country. I mean, we still have territories at this point. We're not a full right. country. We're not a nation yet. Right. You know I mean, we're figuring it out. There's The East Coast is very civilized, and then the rest of the place is just out of control. I think I'm not sure, but I think right around that time, too, is when they set, set up the time zones just to make the railroads run correctly because as trains were traveling from east to west or west to east, you know, every every city had a different a so, different time of day. And how can so you, his administration was the first to introduce time zones? No, I don't think, I'm not that. sure about that one, but he's saying it. But it would have had to for the railroads, yeah. Yeah. Because yeah. that's, that's always insane, too. That's like uh, my, my favorite thing ever. I was doing stand-up out in Seattle. Uh, I got sent out there for a writing gig, actually, and then um, uh, for a writer's conference, I should say. But as an East Coast guy my entire life, I've never been farther than uh, Chicago. Like, Coney, ever been anywhere crazy in the country? Uh, I actually toured with my dad, so I'd been I'd been a lot of places. Oh, surprisingly, oh, I've I've done like Route sixty six. I've done the whole West Coast. I've probably went to states I don't even remember. Did you make it out to Seattle? Yes. Did would uh, you? I, I loved I it. I didn't. Mind you, I was about maybe eight, nine years old, so I don't remember like because when you're that age, you're just like oh, so vacation. You weren't, you weren't, yeah, you weren't cruising but like, the post yet. No, not yet. <laughs> I wasn't that much of a Bali yet. Not till I was at least thirteen. <laughs> but then, I I do remember though, like just feeling a just an overall great vibe in Seattle. If that makes any sense, like I I had a great time there. Even as a young kid, I was like, this is. I like this. I could, I could live here even at a young age. My, I said this to my dad and he was like, what? He's like, you're not supposed to be thinking about that. And I'm like, well, okay, fine, sure. Why <laughs> he not? Was, uh, I, he's right. I like, um, I like happy Seattle meals, while I was out there. The Happy Meals in McDonald's in Seattle were far <laughs> superior than the Happy Meals someplace else. Well, that was uh, what I loved. <laughs> That's too. what you guys are telling me here. <laughs> <laughs> what I loved about being out there, Basically. though, was it was the first time I ever uh, – like the – the games for uh, – because it was NBA season. So it was the primetime games on the East Coast are being played during West Coast happy hour. That's me. So now you're getting like dollar beers over at the bar and you're sitting there watching you know, the Celtics play or something, which is great. But uh, so the time zones thing, that's fat. We're starting to – I think – I'm not sure about that, but I know it was right around that time. Yeah, somebody will listen to this and send me a letter call me a fucking moron for not knowing that. Right, but whatever. Right, right. That's what we deal with, right? <laughs> Key thing, too. So he's got the Interstate Commerce Act. It's pretty badass. He also modernizes the Navy, which, uh, as you could tell, a couple of presidencies later was going to become one of the most important things we ever had. So, And I'm a Navy sailor myself. I'm very proud to have served. The uh, clean toilets all six years. What are you going to do about it? But uh, in his first term as president, he vetoed 414 congressional bills. All right? 414 he vetoed. Stopped them dead in their tracks because yeah. he did not want to play the game with a lot of people. Now – 
414 might seem like a weird number. Everybody can tell it's probably a high number. But just for reference, that's twice as many as all 21 presidents before him ever vetoed. <laughs> he wasn't playing, huh? Kahuna, that is – people talk about gridlock now, dude. That is not gridlock. This is Garden State Parkway traffic in July, all right? <laughs> This is trying to get out towards Lavalette on prom weekend. Don't right, even say it. I'm having <laughs> flashbacks. Ah, uh, don't do that to me. So uh, he goes ahead, though. Pretty popular president, and he goes uh, goes in for his reelection bid. This is why I'm going to call him an American loser because he lost his reelection bid. All right, it never really happened before. Uh, there's a couple weird things, but in terms of party systems, like the original founding fathers, I think Jefferson ran against Adams the first time and didn't win. And then uh, there was some weird thing where they, they were going back and forth. But that was a completely different uh, like yeah. party alignment and system and everything. So in this uh, – the three-party system, which is what the, the era these guys were in, uh, that had almost never happened before. So he loses to Benjamin Harrison, right, who's the grandson of William Henry Harrison, right. who was the shortest president. That's a whole other episode right there. We'll talk about that poor unfortunate bastard. I've had a – I've taken shits that lasted longer than his presidency. <laughs> oh, damn. But – we're sitting there, so he loses, right? Try, to, try prunes, Kev. Oh, he's <laughs> It's uh, tell mom to buy some. Uh, Benjamin Harrison, right? Goes ahead, he, he beats him, right? And so this is the, the first time the two of them are going up against each other. Benjamin Harrison beats him. The swing states at the time were New York, New Jersey, and Indianapolis. When is the last time New Jersey was a swing state for anything? <laughs> the last time they voted uh, Republican, by the way, I think was um, uh, Reagan's uh, second. Yeah, it was right when, when he just absolutely murdered Mondale. Huh. We weren't a swing state for this past election. I could have sworn we were. No. Like we had we had a major contributing or something like that. I it's remember. A, yeah, well, okay, they, they thought Jersey might have been uh, possible because – I, also, I at the time of the election, everything when the campaigns were raging, I was working for a plumbing company and I would have to drive from North Jersey to South Jersey all the time. So oh, okay. I'd have a job in South Orange where it's nothing but Hillary stuff all over it. And then you get down, like, as soon as you go over the Driscoll, you're in Trump country now. You know, South Jersey and North Jersey, a little bit different kind of vibes and everything. Like, it's Absolutely. So, also, that's the other crazy thing. Everybody thinks New Jersey's a shithole because they've, you know, they've seen Newark before or something like that when they landed, you know. But Newark's got some really nice parts to it, too. And there's other parts of this state. Like, when you get down here, we're at in Eatontown. I mean, this is one of the most gorgeous places you can be. We were talking about on the way down. And then some piece of shit is going to sit there and decide that, oh, well, I drove through there on the turnpike once, so I know it's a filthy state. Right. Jersey truly does get a bad rep when it comes to stuff like that. I want the bad rep, though. Keep some of the people out, you know? <laughs> <laughs> Although the, the film commission might be bringing in some more people because they they're about to pass a huge film tax. Oh, that's right. So a lot of like movies and TV shows are going to start getting shot here. Finally. Which I think is kind of cool because New Jersey has a little bit of everything. Yeah, you, like, got, you got the shore, you got... You, you got, got the, the beach, mountains, you got you the got, mountain, right. the farmlands. Right. Look what Sopranos pulled off, man. They covered almost every part of the entire state. It's, yeah. You could convince people that you're in rural Georgia if you go far west enough. I did. I'm, I'm an active filmmaker. Like I've had to convince people in like films I've made like, oh, this is Los Angeles or this is like such and such. And it's just shooting in the backwoods of the Pine Barrens or right. whatever. Right. We, <laughs> made a, we made a movie. The Pine Barrens has got that whole Georgia, Georgia yeah, vibe. Yeah, exactly. Right? Big time. Georgia on my mind going down there. Uh, you ain't kidding. Man, it's a that's a you could do the Jersey Devil went down to Georgia. There, you know what I mean. We had a, a speaking of the filmmaking thing, you might get a kick out of this, Kahuna. We had a uh, remember in high school, me and my buddies, we made an action movie, right? And it was about uh, it was mafia stuff, like G, very GTA three kind of a thing. And um, 
So we had airsoft guns that we would paint over the tips of, and then we'd have like these big gunfights. <laughs> we had this big gunfight, and it looked awesome. My buddies had like a, you know, he was got really good with the, the editing stuff, so he's putting the flashes on and the gun sounds, and we're, we're so proud of ourselves. And we showed it in high school, and uh, one of the girls goes, is that the Boys and Girls Club in the back? <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, ah, all right, you ruined this one for us. Oh, that's nothing. Touche. Uh, I, I feel you on that. There was a film that I was watching in – in high school, they have. Well, I went to Howell High School. They had the performing arts program, and I did so good in my video class that they were like, "You can go into the performing arts program." Okay, cool. So we were watching films, right? And we're watching one of them. And mind you, it's supposed to take place in medieval times. They went all out. These kids went like they had night costumes, and it, bless their souls, you. They moved the camera one shot over. And you see a McDonald's sign in the background. <laughs> and I'm just like, oh, my God. Uh, it's one of my favorite things, it's though. The, it is so much fun, especially when you see, like, watches and planes in medieval movies yeah. by accident. The old, the old Ben-Hur uh, wristwatch for yeah. the, on the bugler. And the, like, the, the pyrotechnic tank or whatever when they were doing the <laughs> fucking the, the, the chariot race or whatever. I forgot how we got spun up on this one. Uh, oh, because uh, Jersey was a swing state at the time. I'm oh, sorry. Oh, my bad. No, so sorry. No, no, no. <laughs> I, I'm sitting there like I this. I almost want to do another podcast just about New Jersey. But <laughs> yeah. um, I fucking love this state. But uh, so the swing states were New York, New Jersey, and Indiana, right? Now both uh, – so Cleveland's technically a Jersey guy, right? He should have played it up. He should have had like Springsteen come out with him or something like right. that, you know? Play like Born to Run, yeah, like get the crowd hype. It's glory days. Guys, what are you going to do about Bruce Springsteen? I, I got to work on my Springsteen. That's terrible. Uh, and then New York, you'd think when you were the governor of New York, you'd have that shit locked up. But uh, New York had uh, a huge, dense population of Republicans and Democrats because it was a little bit – it was always a mixing pot, if you will, over there. Right. But then Indiana, uh, the Harrisons were from Indiana, right? So that uh, Benjamin, you'd think, would be able to have some pull over there. But that's where I wanted to bring you in on this one, Larry, because uh, old handsome father of mine, they did something in Indiana to screw our boy Grover out of his second term of presidency. It was known as the Blocks of Eight. What the fuck is that? Blocks of eight? I thought the blocks, blocks of, five. of five. I'm sorry. Yeah, I fucked that up. Man, we're all over the place. Yeah. Um, my recall on that is at the time, there was no secret ballot. You go to the voting booth and everybody could tell what the heck your intentions were by the ballot that you're holding before you drop it into the box in front of everybody else there. It wasn't going in behind the curtain and pulling the lever and... You know, and oh, so it was very public back then. Very, very, very public. And the various political parties would hand out the ballots. So if you're a Republican, you'd – I don't know what colors they were, but it would clearly identify as your – As a Republican your, ticket. Right. Your intention as to which way you're going to vote. So being, <clears throat> being this place was uh, so important in the swing state um, status um, – they set up like five different, I think it was five different like area captains kind of a thing that if you see somebody coming in that's going to vote against us, have a little sidebar conversation with them and offer them a couple of bucks to uh, change to swing their, the vote to change their vote before they drop it into the ballot box. That so they, is they, sketchy. They, they, wow, it worked. worked too. They, oh, it works, but it is still like yeah. I mean, it, talk about buying votes. Um, yeah, <laughs> they got direct. them. Good. They got them good, and it was uh, what was cool about it is that it worked. Right, so this uh, blocks of five thing. 
and he was able to get Indiana, and I think he barely carried. I, I got to look it up again for the New York, New Jersey thing, but don't worry about it. I'll take you forever to find it. Um, but what was crazy is that the last thing that kind of threw him under uh, you know, the, the, the bus, if you will, was there was a thing called the Murchison letter that came out. Right? And the Murchison letter was leaked out. It was a private letter that was uh, written by somebody who claimed to be uh, an informant for the British government. We still kind of have some anti-British feel a little bit at this time. Oh, in the sure. It's, it's, not, it's not the special relationship we have now. You know what I mean? But also keep in mind that at the time, the biggest voting populace in the country is Irish Catholic immigrants that have been flooding into the place, especially in New York and New Jersey. Right. right? And, and now have some political clout because of the... Right, and then this the Murchison wave. Yeah, and then this Murchison letter comes out, which is a fake thing. It was proven as a, as a political operative thing, not a spy. But it was that a uh, oh, back home, uh, uh, Cleveland is the choice of the crown. That you were endorsing the crown's choice for president if you voted for Cleveland. So uh, all the Irish went ahead and just said, "To hell with this!" And yeah, a little bit of a stubborn people with a temper. You know anything about that, Larry? Uh, no, 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 nothing, nothing on that in my ancestral background. That's where it gets fascinating. So <laughs> Irish Catholic need not apply. So it was a total fraud, right? And uh, but that Murchison letter cost him a ton of votes in those three states, combined with the blocks of five thing. Guy got the election stolen from. He's not really a loser. He got dirty dicked. Right. So they go ahead and. Uh, his wife, as they're leaving, coming out of the White House, she says to one of the caretakers, the probably goes, I want everything taken good care of so it'll be just as it was uh, when we come back. This and is the 21-year-old? This, this is the hot little hot little Grover Cleveland's <laughs> wife, man. Recent, wow. Recent <laughs> so she goes, she goes, I want everything taken care of so it'll be just as good when we come back. And they said, when are you coming back? And she goes, four years from today. Oh, so she knew she was coming back. So, That's cool. Wow. Now Cleveland, he lost. So she wasn't some little. Uh, oh no, she had to be. I don't want to naive little thing. She was. Uh, she was politically astute to know that oh, what you, was going on. Oh yeah. So she was twenty one when they got married. So she's probably like twenty five right now. I think they uh, they didn't have the first kid, which is a little trivia thing here. Uh, his daughter Ruth is who the baby Ruth was named after. Yeah. Everybody thinks that Babe it was. Ruth. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. They think it's Babe Ruth, the baseball player, but it's not. Nope, not at all. Yeah. So. They go ahead and uh, they figure some stuff out with that, but it's uh, he returns to private life, right? Old Grover, our boy's hanging out there in private life. He's making things happen. Uh, he goes to like a law firm. It's kind of like a, just a place for him to hang out during the day. And he swears that he's going to leave the president to do his job. He doesn't want to be a guy who does this. But then Benjamin Harrison, who is considered one of the worst presidents, all right, he goes ahead and uh, he goes against uh, – he passes a thing called the Sherman Silver Purchase Act, which enraged Cleveland. Because he was increasing money that was backed by silver. And our boy Grover, he was a gold standard kind of guy. Yeah. So yeah. that was the big issue of the day, was it not? Uh, yeah, I think what that was is trying to expand the economy. And uh, it became uh, it became a little guy, you know, farmers and that kind of stuff, trying to pay off mortgages if they went with the silver uh, backing as opposed to the gold standard. And it was, it was a device of... Uh, it was certainly a divisive topic within the, within the nation at the time that gold standard versus silver standard or a combination thereof. Grover was all about this too because he was a diehard gold standard guy right. because he thought that silver was going to be – the practices of free silver was going to be bad for the growing of the nation's economy. Right. And turns out the guy's kind of right. But he wrote this letter, right, addressing his concerns and it reminded people that he didn't suck dick at presidents. <laughs> all right? He was not a bad president. So – 
He's thrust Even back in, in the, at that point in his retirement, right? Because he's he's not the president anymore. Oh yeah, he didn't he's know just, what he was going to do. He's just a private citizen at that point. Yeah, his wife. His wife probably. I, I'm sure she knew that he, they wanted to get back into the White House, but they didn't know that they were going to run. Right. So wait, a private letter that he sent as a citizen is what like? Oh, he, led he did to a, that? Yeah, he put in an open letter uh, that was published in like a bunch of newspapers and stuff like that, and everybody's like, "See, he wasn't that bad." I miss kind of you know, Miss Grover. Where's he at? <laughs> he's got some good points. So they run him again, right? So this uh, now it's a rematch, right? Now you got a rematch, and in true Hollywood fashion, all right, the sequel sucks. Right? <laughs> it's not good, all right. It is not good at all. Like that, levels of sequels, like how bad are we talking? Like Trolls Two or Ghostbusters Two? <laughs> it's a I, I, again, it's one of those things, man. If, I, if it's uh, when the first one is amazing, because everybody always points to Godfather as your classic example, right? The Godfather one, two might actually be better than one. Right, completely rare, almost never happens. This one for the second one, go around Kahuna. It was a quiet. This is, before that's one of the dirtiest campaigns of all time. Right, I mean it was a contentious thing. They're busting, ma ma, where's my pa? They're fucking making fun of a bastard child and a woman who got institutionalized, right? Because she had loose morals, and a guy had to go out and fight in the Civil War in this other guy's stead. And they're coming back with uh, uh, the burn this letter. I mean it's a dirty campaign. And then the second one, neither of them campaigned. Benjamin Harrison did not campaign. Grover Cleveland did not campaign because he didn't feel right doing it because the reason Harrison wasn't doing it was because his wife was dying of tuberculosis, so he didn't want to leave the house. So quiet, courteous election between the two guys. Uh, election day uh, kind of was like a somber event. People walk in, right? And like I said, the sequel always sucks. It was not an eventful thing, but they go ahead, and our boy, Grover Cleveland, he got the presidency back, all right? So he came back, avenged his loss, right? Sat there like week 17 of the New York Giants, all right? <laughs> week 17, New York Giants lose to the, the New England Patriots, oh almost defeating the undefeated Patriots. And we sat there like, man, if we get one more crack at these guys. And what we did? We fucking did it. <laughs> all right? You hear that, Eli? I love you. <laughs> just to get a, a topic a tiny bit, I was just curious about his wife. And for the standards of the day, she's not bad. <laughs> like, and oh, like, Francis? Yeah, this is quite interesting. Like oh, we got a picture of her. We got a picture, and then their wedding portrait. <laughs> yeah, she's cute, man. It's uh, a the standards of the time. That whole baby Ruth thing, too. I mean, that was the first wedding to take place, I believe, in the White House. Yep, right? Got, that's right. I totally really? blanked it. Yeah. yeah, that was the first wedding to take place in the White House, and now he's he's married this hottie, and uh, you know they have a kid, and then they're like the darling couple. It's almost well in my. Childhood, it would be uh, when JFK was in the White House with a with a young hottie, and uh, they're they're raising ki- the kids. Little kids are now running around the White House. I mean, there's a famous picture of JFK. John, did you take Dad's missile codes? Where'd John- you put the missile codes, John? Yeah, hiding under his father's <laughs> desk in the Oval Office. Don't push any buttons, John. I talked to you about this. <laughs> <laughs> Don't play with the nuclear football. Are you prank phone calling Khrushchev? <laughs> are you prank calling Khrushchev over there, John? <laughs> but you're right, dude. Good-looking woman for the time. She got her man back in the White House. She's first lady again, right? And he gets in there, and finally, it's like a big success story, right? He avenges his loss. He's back in the White House. He's going to fix everything that's wrong with the country. And then they get hit with the thing called the Panic of 1893, all right? Economic turmoil. That's if a you crash. Will. Yeah, kind of a, a light recession compared to what was coming in the Great Depression terms. Right. But pretty bad. Nation's freaking out about this. A lot of it, they say, is attributed to that uh, Sherman Silver Purchase Act, the thing that Grover never would have done. So if Grover could have won the second term in a row, we would have avoided that panic altogether. Meanwhile, he waits four years. 
walks into office and they try to rope the thing around his neck. That they're trying oh, to, like blame him. Yeah, they're right. trying to blame Grover Cleveland now right. for the Panic of 1893. And uh, this was kind of crazy too because this is – I thought this was the most fascinating thing. Um, when I was researching the show, I've got a bunch of episodes planned out in my head of stuff because every time you click for more information on something, it blows your mind the other shit that you discover. So his second uh, vice president, right, uh, in the second term was a guy named Adley Stevenson I, Okay. <laughs> Adley Stevenson never won the presidency, right? He never really ran either, but he was a well-thought-of Democrat, okay? He's got uh, okay. three generations of people that tried to hold public office and lost in, like, spectacular fashion. I mean, they are – The Stevensons. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're fat. Future so, failures to be discussed. Exactly. Oh, I can't <laughs> wait, dude. I can't wait. So Adley Stevenson the first. this is uh, insane. He's the vice president, and the closest he ever came to being the president was that – after years of uh, our boy Grover, who was a beer-drinking, cigar-chomping son of a bitch, all right? He was like Norm from Cheers, pretty much, with a mustache. And uh, so he's always chomping on cigars, pounds beer all the time. He's got this soreness in his up uh, the roof of his mouth. So he goes and he finds out what is they had to anonymously send samples to the Army medical engineers or whatever uh, so that nobody would know. And they said that it wasn't uh, necessarily malignant, but they thought that it was going to be cancerous, like a tumor. So he's got possibly jaw cancer. So... Adley Stevenson doesn't know this, but when Grover goes on vacation and on a yacht off of Long Island, on the yacht, they got a surgeon and they set up a whole hospital inside the yacht and they took the fucking dude's jaw apart. So they sat there. Without anybody knowing. Oh, yeah. And they're putting, I mean, and it was. Not even his vice president. His vice president had no clue. That's the clue. Because when you're the vice president, you always say you're one heartbeat away. Right. So this guy is now getting hit up with like nitrous oxide and getting stabbed with, you know, 1800s, you know, dental work. Right. So they can remove what they think is a tumor while you're floating on a goddamn yacht out in the Long Island Sound. Right. You know? A little downeaster Alexa action if I ever saw it. <laughs> there you go. But oh, the surgery is good. Surgery is good, right? So they fit him for a prosthesis to correct his speech and his disfigurement before the next congressional like meeting that he had to be a part of. And they just said, oh, I, what's going on? Oh, I, I, I had a tooth removed. <laughs> <laughs> and a little bit more. but uh... Yeah, which is insane because now uh, he gets – the whole reason they did it in secrecy is because the panic of 1893, even though it wasn't his fault, he felt responsible for it, Right. And he didn't want to have uh, more panic by the the president has cancer now. We have a vacuum of leadership. And we don't know what's going to happen. So he does the whole surgery in secrecy, right? Gets fitted for the prosthesis. He looks different shit now. You know what I mean? Like if I come in here for the next podcast episode and I'm missing part of my jaw, I'm going to tell you about it. You know? <laughs> this guy, not so much. Hit it the entire time. He didn't find out until years later. Adley Stevenson didn't find out for years later. Um, he leaves office, right? So he's finally done with his term. He avoids the panic of uh, 1893 turning anything insanely bad. In, like the time that he was so popular, the first go around, like I said, the guy won three popular votes in a row. And then he comes out of office and he's considered one of the worst presidents of all time. The people want him dead. They can't wait. I mean, it's like, get the get this dude the fuck out of here. And uh, now as we're looking, as a guy died in 1908. But as time went on, they kept sitting there and they're like, he was a pretty effective leader, actually. Yeah. This guy yeah, was yeah. not, but like, I, I wonder if it's because we've got the nation just went crazy after that point or it's just that thing of when someone can't hurt you anymore you almost become fond of your former abuser yeah. you know right but uh that was the thing man he got uh like i said they finally put him into uh the new jersey hall of fame along with uh like i said whitney houston and bon jovi and you know everybody else that was famous from new jersey good old gandolfini he, uh, i don't uh, think he deserved that bad of a, like he didn't sound that bad like 
I'm sorry. I know I'm like sputtering with the words of it, but like it's compared to what you've said, he didn't sound like an awful leader. It just sounded like he was just literally the victim of circumstance. Oh, he caught some shit, man. <laughs> that's why. That's why his reputation is it. So that's almost why. And uh, I'm going to ask you for a vote on this one here, too, uh, Kahuna. I'm going to ask my father now. I'm going to. I think we need to vote on this. Is this guy actually an American loser or not? I don't uh, think so. He might be labeled a loser because of losing the the second. Uh, time that he ran for yeah, election that's an but, utter he suffered an utter humiliation in right. uh in losing by, his re-election by, by, bid. by shady characters and people buying votes and and everything else and and you know where's my pa <laughs> some dirty show one of the dirtiest dirty campaigns shit. of all yeah. time too yeah Come on, how you voting on this yeah. i'm voting no he doesn't deserve this like no. I, I think you're right I, especially when the way you frame it, like, especially when you first started talking about it, I was like, oh, this dude must have messed up. He must have really fucked up. No, this dude, like, just yeah. had literally the worst of circumstances. Like, he's not yeah. the loser of losers. I think it's in uh, in Jets fans' terms. Like I said, I'm a Giants fan, but I, I know a lot of Jets fans. In terms of how they would view it, I think they realize now that uh, uh, you can shit on Mark Sanchez all you want, but he still got you to two AFC championship games. <laughs> I think that's what Grover – and in true Jersey fashion too. This is my uh, – and I know we got to get out of here, so I want to wrap it up uh, real quick, man. But um, I know we got to get out of here in a second too. But uh, I want to say, first of all, thank you so much to the sh- a shared universe. Uh, my buddies uh, Mike Zapsik and Ming Chen let me come down here and do this shit. Uh, really good of you guys. Love having you here, Kahuna. I would love to have you on all the awesome. other ones too if you're yeah, down. Great job. Be awesome. You know, thank you. Great it was great fun. meeting the both of you. Oh, this is going to be good shit here, man. I want to also a uh, quick shout out to our boy Chris Covert who stopped by. I love that guy. You know, fucking taxi driver from hell. Um, <laughs> but I got to thank you, Dad. You made me love history. You made me uh, sit down and I, I was happy to research this thing. I love you, dude. Thanks for letting me live with you at 30. If I can, then what I'm going to do is I'm going to plug something really exciting I got coming up. Like I said, I'm a stand-up comic. Uh, I absolutely love it. It's my favorite thing in the world. And right here, local show, if you're in the Eatontown, Jersey Shore area, uh, Wednesday, uh, September 12th through uh, Saturday the 15th, I'm going to be opening down at uh, Uncle Vinny's Comedy Club in Point Pleasant Beach. I'm opening up for one of my best friends and uh, one of my favorite comics, Mr. Joe Fernandez. going to have a whole week of the two of us down there, so come be a part of it. On that note, my friend Kahuna and father. Uh, <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> yes, my I, son. The thing I love about Grover Cleveland is that he was born in Caldwell, died in Princeton. That's right. Jersey, blood in, blood out. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, thank you for listening to this podcast. I hope we're going to get a chance to do more of them, and I hope you learn a little bit about American loser, Grover Cleveland. Thank you.